Welcome to podcast 2187. Enjoy the show. And don't forget to submit your blaster for inspection. Welcome to this episode of Podcast 2187, which is going to be a great one because we are discussing, giving our thoughts and our reviews, so to speak, of the final movie in the Skywalker saga, which is, of course, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, which just came out this past weekend. Um, I know I'm excited to talk about it because I, for one, uh, left it with a great impression. Um, having At this point, I've actually seen it three times. Um, I don't know, Mark, how many times, if you're just the premiere or anything since then. I've seen uh, it twice. Okay. I saw it uh, first night, and I saw it at 12 o'clock the next day in two different types of theaters, Dolby nice. Cinema and uh, IMAX with laser. So so I saw I had back-to-back showings on Thursday night. I had a 6 o'clock, like the first showing, and then like 9.50 right after that. Um, and then I saw it on 3D on Saturday. Ooh. Were you like the only one there? No, it was actually about half full, I'd say. Which for a 3D showing isn't that bad. Yeah, it's just, it, it, I mean, it, apparently 3D is huge in the rest of the world, but not here. Yeah, yeah I, typically you do see a major drop, at least from what I've seen. Um, but a first thing, so we, we do, Mark, as you pointed out, we actually have show notes this time, so we're going to try to stick to that. Insane. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens, but we're going to try. Uh, so first thing, though, uh, I just want to mention is, again, final movie, Episode Nine for the Skywalker Saga. Even if there is an Episode Ten, it is not going to be a part of the Skywalker Saga, is, is our understanding of how this is working. So... Big deal. This is the wrap-up to the story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story of this family line, this heritage. Uh, and we have the 40-year history ending with this movie. So, big deal for us as fans. And uh, so, overall thoughts on the movie. We're going to get to some specific things in a little bit. But just overall, like, if you liked it or not, or or how you felt about it, uh, uh, we'll, we'll go to Mark first, and then I'll say what I thought. But I think, I think know, we're in line. Can I jump to something real quick about what you just said? Okay. That like there may be an episode ten, but it's not part of the Skywalker saga. Right. Then it can't have Ray in it. Oh yeah, I I feel like that would be correct. Or if she is in it, she's a side character to the main story. Okay. Fair enough on that point. Because you can't make a big deal out of her, you know, and found family and and taking on the moniker and then just having, you know. Yeah. Uh, same but, same so, thing so, with like a Force Ghost Ben potentially. Same thing. Right. Uh, general overall thoughts. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it is not perfect. Uh, I don't think, other than one Star Wars movie, uh, there really is a perfect Star Wars film. Uh, but they're perfect for me. And even when it's, you know, even even when it's not at its greatest or it's not my favorite, it's still Star Wars and I still love it. Right. You know, I I like, I mean, I love all of them. I love all nine of them. I have issues, obviously, I've talked about it before with Last Jedi, but it's still Star Wars. Yep. And, and you do not get some of the high points in this episode if Ryan Johnson didn't do what he did. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, J.J. said that multiple times. Oh, and there, there is no doubt, you know, because he J.J. mentioned that if he had his way, the second movie would have been all of them together, hanging out. And so I don't know if we would have gotten this. And, and obviously the high point for me is the relationship between uh, Kylo, Ben, and Ray. So 
I loved it. I thought it was great. It really felt like the most Star Wars-y mm-hmm. of the three sequels. Because some stuff they do just to do it. You know, there there's so many creatures. There's so many ships. There's so many, like, locales. So yeah, it's just... <laughs> They're just throwing stuff out there, and if it you like it, great. If you don't, guess what? You might like something in in about thirty seconds. Right. So yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it, I'm like you. Yeah, we're pretty in line. I thought it was great. I heavily enjoyed it. Um, I understand some of the things, like you said, that where it's not perfection in cinema, but I wasn't expecting it to be because it is a Star Wars movie. They've never been perfections in cinema. They're not supposed to be. So I, for, for being a Star Wars movie, I thought it was fantastic. I love it. I love this whole series. And this fit right into the overall story to me. It felt, it fit in, it felt appropriate to this trilogy in a very Star Warsy way, like you said. And it also, uh, it fit into the franchise overall. And like, I couldn't believe I was saying this, but when I left the first showing at seven, I was expecting to feel like, like when I left episode three, when that was done, uh, it was great. You know, I was happy. I thought that was the best in the trilogy of the prequels. And I thought it was exciting, um, that it fit well into the start of a new hope and the story was complete and all that, but there's still a part of me that was kind of sad, like, but that's the last one. It's over. You know, there's no, there's nothing more or whatever. Um, I didn't have that feeling leaving this one because I felt so satisfied. Like what JJ said, he wanted people to feel. I felt that. <laughs> I was so satisfied. I wasn't even sad. I was like, this this feels right. That's it. That's all, Tim. It just you're completely satisfied. No complaints. Well, like I said, it's not perfect, and I will say, and this kind of gets us into the next point, which is that the at my first feeling, the first time I saw it, um. I felt the pacing at the beginning was kind of rushed. Like, you know, you didn't really have time to settle in and the cuts back and forth between the characters were pretty frequent. So the pacing seemed kind of quick and it was hard almost to keep up with everything that was happening. Uh, that goes away after the first part to me and, and you do get settled in and it all flows better. And that has gone away for me since. Um, I think maybe since I've now seen it and it, I, I know where the story I mean, I, I kind of knew the story was going beforehand, but, you know, having a good understanding of it all and, and knowing what to expect, the second and third viewings I had, I did not have any pacing issues at all. It was really just for the first part of the first showing. Other than that, I mean, I, I, I think it's great because I, I think once you, it, it's very re- rewatchable, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And, it, and it's almost one of those ones where, you know, I, I know this is going to sound odd to some people, but. You know, with a lot of my favorite movies, especially the Star Wars films, Indiana Jones films, sometimes there are just parts that you put the disc in just to watch a scene. Yeah. You know, or you nowadays, people just go to that scene. Or you got right. stuff going on in your house. Maybe you're cleaning, maybe you're organizing, maybe you're doing something where your full attention can't be on it. You know, this is the type of movie that you also put on. Yeah. You know, because it's just, it's just fun. It, it, it was so fun. I'm not I usually. I don't really know any other way to describe it. Yeah, no, that, that's a perfect way to describe it. And, and there, I don't really know. I, I'm not really usually big on the ranking of the Star Wars movies, especially the you know episode one through nine. Rank your best to worst or whatever. Um, I do it. You know, I, I have favorites and all that, but I, I'm not one to post. I'm on Twitter every three months, but 
after the opening weekend of seeing it a few times, I kind of feel like this might be my third favorite of all nine, which is pretty. That's pretty good. Whoa, whoa, really? Yeah. All right. Third favorite. Yeah. Okay. Right. The, thi- now. the thing is, my third favorite used to be The Force Awakens. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. Well, see, right now I could easily say. You know, and I'm gonna have to watch it more. I'm gonna have to sit with it longer. Yeah, you know, and we're only gonna talk about the nine here because I'm not throwing Rogue One or Solo or anything like that in there. The um, but it's gonna be my seventh favorite. No, no sequel film. No sequel film is in the top six yet because I haven't lived with them long enough. I don't think. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Like I, I, I listen to the score right, and the score is fantastic, but. It, at the same time, I'm like, this isn't as good as the other stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you've sat with that for years. You've had that on a regular rotation and shuffle or, or, you know, you've seen it in the movie. You can put on the, for me, I can put on the Attack of the Clones, let's say. Right. And know what scene it goes to without having to look it up. Yeah. I don't have that familiarity here. You know, I, I don't have, yeah. I don't, you know, you know, and for me, I don't especially have it like I have it with the original trilogy, because when I was growing up as a kid, VCRs were not out yet. You know, DVDs didn't exist. If you wanted, you know, Empire Strikes Back or Star Wars, you had to listen to the sort of book on tape to where you put a cassette recorder and it'd play that way, or you had to listen to, you know, the music. So the music became very familiar with me you know and i know scenes that way and a lot of it just played out in my mind i haven't lived with these movies like that so to me it's still seven but that's not a bad thing yeah and honestly they're meant to do that or i think most of them are because they they know their place in the nine episodes and they know that this is something that people have grown up with again it's the end of 40 years you're not just going to come out with a movie and have it top the other the past 40 years of movies i would think um but at the same time i i did still it's as i said it's ranked up there for me so because i i feel like i get it and like jj abrams to me is one of the best storytellers of the modern generation like his name is up there with steven spielberg for me and, and, and george lucas you know i i, I don't know if it's because like, I feel like I get him or not. I don't know. I, I mean, movies are art and people take art differently, but I have like a connection to his stories that I, they like, they, I get them and they speak to me. So I don't know if that's influencing this or not, but yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. As I mentioned, so is Force Awakens too. What's at the bottom of your list? Like the number nine? Yeah. Phantom Menace. Okay. Which, again, like you said before, I like that. And my least favorite Star Wars movies is still like a top 10 <laughs> movie overall for me. But yeah, I, I would well, have it as the bottom. You know, Phantom Menace is one of those ones to where people, one of the complaints or concerns that I see about this one is that, you know, it just jumps from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, you know, with, with not much exposition. Phantom uh-huh. Menace is probably the most expositional Star Wars, maybe. Yeah. I can see that. Well, a lot of lot of information because you're doing a lot of world building. Yeah. But, it, you know, again, it really depends on what kind of mood you're in. Sorry, I'm trying to put together a Christmas tree. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I got some. I got some rapping to do tonight. Actually, I have just so I can keep the part uh, the the podcast listeners up to date real quick. I have officially <laughs> finished officially finished this first semester of school. I don't know what my grades are yet, but I have nice. a feeling that I'm either going to get two B's or two A's or nice. an A and a B, but nothing below that. And so where the Christmas tree has normally would go, I've been setting up my little makeshift desk and computer, and I finally finished everything yesterday. So it's like, well, not time to get everything hooked up. <laughs> hey, I don't really you know, feel like Christmas, so. That's in two days. <laughs> I know. I know <laughs> so I fast. It's so fast. No, I, I've been delayed in getting everything up, too. Yeah. I just got my house lights up yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, I think it looks good. I mean, it's only like one side of it, but it, it looks good. Did you get any Star Wars uh, Christmas lights? No, I, I didn't even know that they really... I'm sure they do make them, but I haven't oh, seen God, them in yeah. the store or anything. Well, next year you're going to have to have like baby Yoda ornaments. <laughs> well, I, ha- I have ornaments for like the tree, yeah. But... No, baby Yoda. No, oh, baby Yoda ornament. Yeah, that's true. Merchandise is coming out now. But we'll talk more about Mandalorian next week, actually. Uh, before, because we're sticking to the show notes. So we're going to just talk quickly about some parts from like the first part of the movie. I will say that the opening with Kylo's body slamming on Mustafar, that was confirmed in the Visual Dictionary that he was on Mustafar in the opening. It is. It was not intended to be Mustafar. Is that correct? Probably. <laughs> I don't know that part, but I just know that it is in canon. That is where he was. Um, Doesn't think, look like any Mustafar I know. Well, well, and it, and it makes sense because he was supposed to find Vader's Wayfinder, which was supposed to be by his castle, which is on Mustafar. And what I read, I think, says something about now that the castle's been destroyed or something like that, the life is returning to the planet, which is why trees are starting to come back and stuff like that. They blew up his castle? Well, I don't know if it was like blown up or disintegrated or, or, or I mean, deteriorated. <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett was there. Uh, I don't know what it was, but... I mean, I could see, you know, people being like, we want to get rid of this symbol of evil in a civilized New Republic. True. Kind of like how they were tipping over the Palpatine statue at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I guess. I do like like Vader's castle, though, so. Yeah, it is neat. And we got that great shot of it in Rogue One, too. So, Uh, but so we have. Kylo body slamming people on Mustafar, getting the Wayfinder, going to Exegol, and we have the Emperor right off the bat. That whole opening sequence is one of the best openers to me because it gets your attention, of course, immediately, and you're you're just you're in the story. There, there's no delay, and and one of the main draws for people of this movie being Emperor Palpatine is boom right there at the beginning, and, and it just sets it all off quickly. So I think it's one of the best intros to a Star Wars movie, and the whole line which was in one of the trailers beforehand about I've been every voice you've ever heard inside your head. That was fantastic. So cool. Oh, that was, Explains yeah, that so much. Great. Yeah, I had, I had a guy I had a guy today I was ready to have a conversation with on the internet. Um, but he was talking about how you know, it didn't make sense to him about who... Um, so what, at one point Anakin's talking to Ben and the other time... Vader's talking to Ben, I'm like, when is, when is this conversation happening? None of this stuff is, none of these conversations are, uh, are Anakin or Vader or anybody. It's all Palpatine just right. screwing around, you know? Right. 
but I don't think he responded. Maybe he realized his <laughs> um, thoughts were a little off. But... So it begins with that, and it also has the Leia training ray. And uh, what else do we have? Uh, eventually, it, it, I would say the, the first part kind of just leads into Persona and all of that. So, again, overall, I like it. I, I Initially, the pacing, especially with Persona, was a little rushed, but I'm cool with it now, and, and, and on subsequent viewings, I think it's fine. Um, but I thought it was a good way you know, to get into the movie and, and kick things off. But um, I guess, would you say you also enjoyed the first part, or were there any... Oh yeah, had. I had no issues with Pisana whatsoever. Okay, you know, and, and for me, Pisana is one of those ones that that I really, really liked because it's like, what the hell's going on? I know, I really like. I've never wanted to be a part of an alien celebration as much as the Aki Aki celebration. Right. Like, I want to be there, man. It looks great. <laughs> and it's not one type of of. You know, it's not one type of uh, uh, of race. There's a couple different races there, and kids are having a good time. And yeah. when you and when you look, there's other you know humans walking around. So it's almost like it's Mardi Gras in a sense. Probably people go, "Oh, let's go see it," you know. Right. But it just looked good, and, and there's different creatures, and I liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah. No, I I, I enjoyed. Like I want to be there. I want to go to that. So forty-two years from now, I'll try to get there. I guess. Um, but what's the what's the concern about Pasana? Because is that still considered Act One? I I guess it is. Um, and the transition from there toward Kijimi, I guess, would be the transition to Act Two. I guess. Okay. So what's the concern though with uh, what's the concern with Pasana? Well, I think it's just uh, not not so much what happens there itself as much as everything leading up to it, where there are a lot of cuts back and forth between the characters, and then boom, you're on Pisana. So I think it was just that there wasn't a lot of... Um, fl- it felt a little choppy, not necessarily a lot of flow leading into that. Yeah, there isn't. But, you know, in this story, I think in, in, pretty much all together, there's just not a lot of time to breathe. Yeah. You know, there's there's very little time where they just kind of sit around and talk. Right. And I would have loved that. I would have loved the three-hour movie. I would have loved the four-hour movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But this is what we get, and I don't really have any issues. Yeah, I I really don't either. I think it's, like I said before, very rewatchable, and I'm looking forward to watching it many times in the future. I'm sure I haven't seen it for the last time in theaters either. I'm sure I'll get that some more times. Um, But overall, actually, I don't want to do too much on, like, the plot or whatever, but that's what we have here. So, like, for Act 2, Kijimi is the main thing. Um, Babu Frick is... Baby Babu Frickin' Frick is amazing. I'm a big fan of Baby Babu Frickin' Frick. Who's Baby Babu Frick? What am I missing? That's what we called him uh, when they first announced his name a while back on the show. We called him Baby Babu Frickin' Frick. Maybe you did. Maybe, Maybe you got issues. I do, I do think I did coin it, but then you said it yourself. So, what does oh, that man. say about you? The fool or the one who follows him? Ha! Yeah. I'm definitely the fool but who I'm... follows him. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, so I thought that was cool. I did like it, Jim. That's where Kevin Smith was, if anybody was wondering. He was on that planet. Uh, and I guess we, we that and then Ray on board kylo's uh destroyer i think is also going to just be the chunk for act two and then i'd say maybe i'd also put in uh octo 
I or no, 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 no. Death Star was first. Death, Death Star was Star. before. Yes. And then Octo probably also because I would say after that scene is where you really transition into Act Three, which is pretty much just Exegol. And what an Act Three it is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I guess first we'll mention uh, Luke on Octo. I thought his involvement was great. It felt very true to the character and very uh, um, appropriate. It felt like that's how Luke would be as a Force ghost. You know, like there, people know, huge Luke fan here. And uh, with The Last Jedi, I got it. I understand what Ryan was doing. I understand why it's important to have done it that way from a writer's perspective. I genuinely get it. But there was a part of me that couldn't help but feel a little bit disappointed that I didn't have the green saber with the the heroic action thing. We got it kind of with the projection at the end, and that made me very happy. But, you know, while as much as I get it, there's still a little bit that was just a little... It's disappointing. Like, Ray was disappointed, you know? that That's how it is. That's what we're supposed to feel, honestly. Um, so it's cool to see him in this one be, like, quote-unquote, full-glory Luke, how he's supposed to be. And uh, and uh, X-Wing, Red 5, getting lifted out of the water. With that, the same music that we had in Empire when Yoda did it was... It, I mean, there's no way about it. It's a little fan service but I don't care because it worked for me. <laughs> it was a fan service that I want. It's very fan service But again, it was a fan service that I want. And that, it, like, unlike 3PO and Rogue One, when I see that on TV now, I'm like, eee, kind of, all right. But for me, this part... Uh, I don't see in you know five years from now. I don't see myself disliking it. I think I'm still gonna like it, like I did in the theater. Like what? See, like which one? Like when three PO showed up in Rogue One. Oh yeah, no, on the Avon. Yeah. yeah, like that was a, that was that's one of those where now when I see it, I'm just like, yeah, it's a little forced, you know. But uh, I don't think I'm gonna do that with this. I mean, look, and for people who who are annoyed with the level of fan service, because there are some things in there a fan service in this movie. I just want to take a step back and acknowledge the fact that this is the last of the movie. It's I don't think it's as much a fan service as it is like paying respects to the series before it and showing the fans, you know, giving them nostalgic reminders of what this journey's been. You're supposed to do that in a finale. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll just kind of skip plots or i guess was there anything interesting in the story that you didn't expect or that you were happy to see or anything just overall instead of going instead of dissecting it no you know i'm so like i was so spoiled <laughs> uh, that that i don't think anything was a real surprise yeah um i think actually seeing one of the bright points for me was actually seeing lando on screen he was great. You know, I and and God, just the, just he. I, I guess what I like about Lando was that they're not trying to give you any sort of impression that this guy can do everything old Lando could. Right. You know, he's got a cane now. He's obviously older, but he's Lando. Baron Lando's Balthazar Calrissian. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think it's like Indiana Jones, right? I yeah. still love Indiana Jones for I don't care what people say. <laughs> even bad even bad Indiana Jones is still Indiana Jones. Yep. But it gets very hard at points to you know, you, you, there's a little bit more suspension of disbelief that this guy can do what he's doing. Right. 
Okay, with Lando, Lando's still a good pilot. You know, and and he's there for his reasons, which got cut from the film, which are kind of odd, but but yeah, it was it was good to see him. I really like seeing him again, and which brings up a whole big confusing thing for me. Okay, who owns the Millennium Falcon? Well, that's a fair point. I would feel like uh, who is it? Who's who's is it at the end of this? Because at the end of it, yeah. I feel like it should be Lando's. And no. I feel like it, it probably is. It shouldn't be Lando's at all. Because he lost a fair and square? Right, it should be Chewie's. Well, yeah, but I could, well... I, no, it I should could, be Chewie's. Well, no, I, I get that, but when I said Lando, I kind of had that in my head because I'm picturing the two of them flying it together at the end, so I kind of automatically included Chewie with that. But if you keep if you separate them as characters, then yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and I definitely don't think it necessarily belongs to Ray. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I, I do see her as more like less of a freighter flyer and more of like a, a fighter pilot or just like an individual X Wing, A Wing type of flyer. Right. Uh, you know, unless there's something that says, oh, I, you know, Leia wills it to, you know, wills it to him or something, but it didn't feel like it belonged to, it doesn't feel like it should be Ray's. Yeah. And let's see who else. Uh, I think I think like when you see, yeah, I know we're skipping, but like who does who does uh, BB-8 belong to? Yeah, because all indications said said it would be Poe, but he ends the movie on Tatooine with Ray. Yeah, I think everybody's just friends. That's the only way you can look at it. Like community droid. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of community ship. You need the ship? Yeah, I'm gonna go take the ship. All right, just make sure you bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> So, and speaking of that part too, I guess just overall with the end between the the Jedi voices and then the Tatooine ending, what did you think of those? Oh, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. I did too. I did too. If we're if we're gonna jump to the end, I loved it. I, you know, obviously, you and I had a little pet theory on what we'd have liked to see, right? And that would have been great and all that. But I do, you know, I don't. I didn't really look and see what people have a problem with at the end, other than they think that somehow it, you know, undermines. Um, that it undermines, you know, what happened in, in Return of the Jedi. And I think what I saw, what did I see? There was an interview with J.J. Abrams recently, and this happened after the movie premiered. Kind of what he said is, you know, you, you've got, let's say, the ending of World War II, right? Mm-hmm. An ending, there's great celebration. And that is successful. It just doesn't mean that everything always stayed that way. Right. You could still have that successful story, but, you know, now there's the rise of the Soviets. Right. You know, and so the story continues in a different fashion. It's like, you know, it's like the story of America, let's say. George Washington fighting, you know, we're fighting for our, for our country. We had the Constitution, you know, spirit of independence, July 4th, all that. We win. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you no get future the wars at all. Well, you get the sequel where we all hate each other when we fight in a civil war. Right. And so it's like, I get that people sometimes want to leave on a high note, but a high note is not reality necessarily. And right. so I think you can look at what they did and it was successful. And now, 
you know, to sit there and say Luke or Leia or the Skywalkers didn't have any role in defeating Palpatine. It's not just Ray that did it. Well, she, not, not she that, was the but... conduit. She was the conduit for not only right, you know, every Jedi, <laughs> but but it was both Skywalkers' lightsabers coming together that was able to turn it around and, and blow up Palpatine. Yeah, Ray and... Ray is there, sort of for you know, holding it, forcing it. Well, and that was so cool because we do have. It was nice to get a reappearance from people like Qui Gon and Anakin and Mace Windu and all those, uh, Ala Sakura, all them, um, Ahsoka. But what was really cool about it is that we've already set up the plot point to where Palpatine is supposed to be all the Sith. We already knew that, so there isn't a more appropriate way to have him defeated than to get the other side involved and have them defeat him. So, and the other thing too, I, I don't want to go too much into like defending the movie or anything because I don't feel like I need to do that in the first place. But most of the critiques and fan responses that are negative that I've seen, I have an answer to. I just feel like it makes sense. So we might do that some other time. But what you were just well, saying yeah, I about, would, I would also like to, you know, later talk about um, um, the differences yeah. from what we reported to what actually happened. Yeah, uh, but and, yeah, we can go over some of that stuff, like I said, at a later point. But one thing with this, too, is that for people who felt like it undermined uh, Return of the Jedi, it didn't, because they didn't even deny that he died. In, in fact, he did. He says, I've died before. And, and he meant that because I think, again, it's in the visual dictionary or something where I saw it was pretty much confirmed that, yeah, Palpatine did die, and they somehow, through like Sith alchemy and stuff, were able to get his body to where it was, and then his spirit possessed his body. And along with all the other Sith followers and all that kind of stuff, so it they they did still defeat him, and he did still die, and Anakin still did restore balance, as he says in this movie that he did. So it's still true, and they they took a lot of care and effort in writing this to make sure that they did not contradict that. Um, you just have to look beyond what you are being fed in notes about the movie. But anyway. Uh, so I thought the whole thing was cool about the end and, and ending on Tatooine. I thought it was great. Again, it, it, sure, is it fan service I guess, you know, but I didn't care. I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, oh, and she went there to bury the lightsabers. Cool. You know, this isn't... It, it works for me. I thought it was cool. There is no better place to end the trilogy than the iconic scene of where it started. It's 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 like poetry. It rhymes, you know? Where have I heard no, that I before? All right. Um, okay, so uh, looking over some performances, just overall how we thought they did. Daisy Ridley, I thought she was great. I thought she, I've seen um, both in the character and in her acting uh, maturity. You know, not that there was anything wrong with how she acted before; it was appropriate to the character. You know, and, and I think now she aged with it, um, and I thought it worked well. I think honestly, one thing that might have made a big difference is the uh, the costume, and I know they had to do it the way they did because of Carrie Fisher things with those scenes and all that. Um, but I feel like if they had given her a visually darker costume, like maybe more brown, or not to copy Return of the Jedi, it's not necessarily all black, but just something that's a little bit darker, um, might have just changed, just something like that, a visual change might change people's perception of a character as opposed to seeing it be similar to how we already know her. Yeah, I don't for care. Ways, for ways close? Yeah, like, I didn't care, but I can see where that might influence some people. Well, yeah. Okay, so the only thing that confuses me about that is that she comes from, or she's acclimated to, a hot damn world. Yeah. Space is cold. Yeah. 
I would have expected that she put on more clothes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Period. Because you know, I've worked. I've worked in a uh, you know freezers and refrigeration all day, and then the minute you go to the other side, to where it's just normal temperature, you're sweating. Right. Because you know, to you, oh my god, it's hot. But to everybody else, it's like, what are you talking about? Right. It's perfect. So. Yeah, but again, it's 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 Star Wars. So yeah, <laughs> yes, we have sounds of spaceships exploding in space. So you yeah, know, it's... I mean, I'm not I'm not really gonna go there. I yeah, mean, as much as I can sit there and say, well, it should have been a what? Enjoy the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Adam Driver. Uh, I said before the we saw the movie. I don't remember if I said it on this show or not. I might have. But I, I had told people in person that I felt like this was going to be the best performance of the sequel trilogy from any of them would be Adam Driver in this one. And I stand by that, having seen it. I thought he was fantastic as both Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. His, after he transitioned to Ben Solo, he was doing things that I felt like were reminiscent of Harrison Ford's acting. Uh, and his, like, his conversation with Han at the Death Star his expression like you can feel like you can see the character break of kylo i mean he was he was just fantastic that's all i'm going to say for now legendary best acting performance of the sequel trilogy yeah i think uh i think probably the best acting of of all of them i might be able to get behind that too yeah i haven't thought about it that extensively but i don't initially have a problem with that Saying and that. don't get and, and don't get me wrong. I I mean I, I would say probably the second best acting for me out of all of it would be would be you know Ewan McGregor. That's yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that too. But it, it it's just it's a whole other level. You know, he's the reason to watch it. Well, his um, character is way more complex than Obi Wan's is. So while I Ewan's one might probably my favorite actor or beyond Star Wars, just in movies, I think he's fantastic. Uh, Adam had more to work with. Well, and then somebody pointed out, you know, the difference between Kylo Ren and Ben Solo, and and you you see it, you react to it, but when you really start to think about it, it's very funny. You know, he gets shot by a blaster bolt with Chewbacca, and he's just smacking his, you know, smacking his side to get going. You know, he's all about that. And then Ben Solo jumps, lands on a change, is like, ow. (laughs) <laughs> that is awesome so oh, it, it's it's just this little this little subtle thing that you know that this this guy's different you know you wouldn't yeah. you would not ever ever expect that if Kylo Ren jumped and landed on that chain he'd say ow yeah because it's out of character he felt more like a solo right it's totally within character for him to be like this and yeah. in the scene where she transfers the saber, yeah, and he gets it, and he kind of does this little head nod, uh-huh. possibly, possibly almost the hand solo sort of like, you know, like like, of, like in Return of the, of the Jedi, yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking that too. Kind of like Thor is like, yeah, what do you want me to do? I got it, you know. And like when when he was when he was running with a blaster, first off, he shot somebody behind him, just like Han did in Force Awakens, without looking, and then when he was running with it, the way he was holding it up next to his head and running felt like how you would see Han run with it. His smile at the end toward Ray. That's what I was saying before. Like it felt like some of the Ben acting was like Harrison. Yeah. And I don't know if he, if he consciously do that, did that or whatever the situation is, but uh, I, I would say probably, 
Think so? I think so. Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's acting as a new character and he's acting as the son of this actor. So it makes sense to do it that way, to, for that to be your inspiration. And JJ knows that too, the director. Well, fine. <laughs> no, I thought that was great. I do want to, just for time, I want to kind of, I'm, I'm going to be quicker with these. So John Boyega, great. Um, I was happy to see him more plot relevant in this one because he was very relevant to The Force Awakens and then I felt like was felt more of a side we talked about this before I felt like a little bit more of a side character in the last one um, and this one felt more relevant to the plot itself and we have this whole potential Force sensitivity not even potential I think it's been straight up said now uh, JJ oh, yeah. talked about it he yeah, said that's what yeah JJ said that's what Finn wanted to tell Ray when they were going in the quicksand was about his Force sensitivity that he's uh, aware of now um so i thought he was great uh i liked the the, the up, updates to his character the way he looks his his hair all this stuff i thought it was very good very nice distancing himself from his stormtrooper past um so i thought he was great i'm gonna give you just a minute in case you wanted to add anything before we move on no okay uh oscar isaac uh same thing I felt like the way he was acting was good for the character. It matched his progression from Force Awakens hotshot to Last Jedi hotshot getting knocked down to now a more matured, a little bit more self-aware. Not His scene where he was talking to um, like by Leia's deathbed pretty much about don't know what to do next, I thought was great for him. Um, and yeah, overall, hard to complain. I liked his annoyances and frustrations with um, uh, Ray at the beginning too, because again, it shows where his focus is and the, the interactions between the main three were great throughout the whole thing, actually, especially at the very end uh, for the, the final reunion scene. But I thought Oscar was great. Yeah, Oscar was really good. Anthony Daniels was on par. And what I mean by that is he was just as good as he's ever been with 3PO, which I consider to be legendary, obviously. Um, you wouldn't well, know. You wouldn't know that he was any different age-wise or anything from how he was in the seventies. Well, yeah, I actually thought his voice sounded a lot better than it's done before because normally it sounds like you know, sort of old. Uh, it sounds like old Anthony Daniels rather than C three PO. Right. But but the thing that was interesting to me about this is that I've said before that there, there is no reason for him to be there. Right. And I was, I thought he got great work. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, well, where's R2? R2 got the short end of the stick. And, and he, if anyone's got did. the short end of the stick the whole time, it's been him. Yeah. I, I mean, I can see that. I can agree with it. I feel like that. I feel like it, Last Jedi would have been the biggest chance for him to have a, a more plot relevant. I mean, he, he kind of did with like the layer projection and all that, but I feel like they could have upped. Maybe Archie's performance in Last Jedi, and then you have three PO in this one, and that might be a little bit more complete. Well, and, and then I think also, I think one of the things that you and I had talked about that would have actually been, I think, crucial or important or great for this um, episode would would have been for him to somehow have had, you know, his full memory. The, yeah, just ready for, ready for R two. I mean, ready for C three PO to put it in there. So he, so he, yeah, that would have been a great plot point. You and I did talk about that early on. Where like maybe if they found his old memories on the um, old 
blockade runner or something, but somewhere where we get, because the whole story of Star Wars has always been told through the perspective of the droids, according to George Lucas. So if we get 3PO's memory, the Habin White at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, uploaded in conjunction with him now, we can see 3PO recounting the entire story of Anakin to Luke to Ben and Ray and all this. He would have the entire story in this finale. And for somebody, almost like with Mandalorian, with somebody who does can't have expressions, there can be a lot of emotion with what Anthony Daniels could have done with that. Now, I'm not oh, saying yeah. that I, I miss it or anything, but I think that would have been really neat too. Yeah, definitely been neat. Uh, so, Ian McDermott, uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was a little bit different at first with him being like uh, barely moving <laughs> at all. You know, his voice was still great, and he, as a character, he was still great, of course. Um, but after the rejuvenation thing happened and he was standing there and he, you know, was lifting his arms to the crowd, all that again, I feel like he hasn't skipped a beat since Revenge of the Sith. No, he, he's still good. He still good. And, uh, of course, Billy D, we talked about him a little bit, but it seems like that guy had energy for years. I felt like you couldn't stop him from, I mean, they, they weren't putting him in chase action scenes or anything like that, but, um, Appropriate to the, where the character is. I felt he was great. His, his performance felt like Lando Calrissian and not somebody trying to be him. Like who? Nobody. What you, oh, okay. What are you saying? <laughs> no, no implications there. Okay. Right. And, oh, one, oh, yeah, Naomi Ackie new addition to the cast. I thought she was great. Um, I, I saw her at Celebration, and I mean, I, I didn't have any reason to think otherwise. She was really very fun in person. It just seemed like like somebody you'd want to have in your movie if you're directing it. Um, but new characters are really tricky with Star Wars, especially when you're doing the last one, because there's so many that you can use if you want to introduce new ones. They have the opportunity to be great, or you can also if you don't hit the nail on the head with the fans, that can be a huge long remembered quote unquote error or something. But I thought she was fantastic. I really actually hope that we see her in future works, whether that, I don't know what it would look like a Disney plus show. I don't know, but I want to see her back. Cause I really enjoyed her acting and her character. Yeah. She was good. Yeah. Like, like um, no joke. Like seriously, please give her something. I want to see more. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, I think, I think that's all we're going to touch on for the cast. The music overall, got, we got to listen to it. Mark, you and I were talking about it, um, before we saw the movie, when we were listening to it and I am trying to think, I don't know if I place it. I really enjoyed the force awakens score a lot. I'm trying to figure out if I put this above that or not. I might. I don't know. But to me, what was really cool is that the parts that weren't obviously Star Wars, these sounded to me kind of like a combination of what you would get, like a fusion of an Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park score, kind of fused together, put it in space, and I feel like you would get this. Okay, I buy that. Which, to me, is a good thing. It's just, you know, one of the things, one of the things is, is you know, John Williams is not the same John Williams from years ago. But but he what the the prequels John Williams wasn't the same as the original trilogy John Williams I either. I know, I know, and and it's it's odd because it's just his his sound evolves. You know, it's really funny because when when the prequels were coming out, I remember being part of conversations um, 
not not expressing my opinion, but I have heard from numerous people before at the time when they came out that the music is great music, but it doesn't sound like Star Wars to me. It was something that I heard many times when those movies were coming out. And now they do. And I'm kind of feeling it might be the same side, sort of thing with this, where they have their own unique sound and footprint for this trilogy, um, mainly Force Awakens and, and uh, Rise of Skywalker, because um, they had the more original work more prominent original works in them and uh i feel like over time once we get used to them once we accept in our heads this to be the star wars sound and we view them more often in our homes and all this i really feel like they will be synonymous with star wars just like the other two trilogies music is or oh, are, sure. whatever yeah it's really like we just kind of say we haven't lived with yeah. that long it's, it's been five years yeah, it's been five years since the first in the trilogy. So we have three movies in five years. That's a pretty concentrated amount of newness. Actually, I think it's been four years. Technically. Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. It was 2015, so it's been four. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, there were three years between the original trilogy and, and the prequels. There were three years between those movies. And we have three movies within four years. <laughs> like, that's a lot. Yeah, and I can see sometimes when they say there's... there's... There's a fatigue, possibly, but you know, it. This may not be one of those shows that that you can put two or three episodes out every time. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what else happens moving forward. But I've certainly enjoyed this. We now have a new trilogy of Star Wars. That's a big feat, and it's something that is great for fans for the coming years. So I'm excited about that too. I, I lined up my soundtrack side by side. Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, yellow, red, blue. And it just made me happy seeing that completeness of, the, of a trilogy. Because that's how Star Wars works. It works in trilogies. It's, it doesn't even work in individual movies. It's a trilogy experience. So, uh, next thing. I just want to mention a couple things I thought were cool. We can dive into this more again in future episodes. But there's some subtleties and messages and things that I thought were really neat about this. That maybe not everybody caught on immediately the first time. So, like, for example, one of the big things is the mirror between... Uh, Kylo and Rey and Anakin and Palpatine because we have this storyline where Anakin, in order to save the person he loves, ends up doing a selfish thing, turning to the dark side, trying to save her, and it doesn't work, right? And then we have this whole Darth Vader thing. So here with Ben and Rey, we have the opposite thing where Ben ends up turning to the light side, does a selfless thing, which is more out of love, and it actually does work this time to save her life. So it's the same sort of thing where they're a mirror of each other, except one went to the dark side and it failed selfish. One went to the light side to selfless and it worked. So I thought that was a neat moral of a story mirror between the two where he actually did complete what Anakin started. Yeah. I had I'd, I'd heard that or read that, or maybe you and I talked about it. I thought that was true. Yeah. I thought that I thought it was just a, a neat thing there. Um, I also noticed it was bugging me at first after Ben comes back. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but he he looks like a different character, and I couldn't place it. I mean, the acting, the costume, all that, sure, but the hair, but I just couldn't place it. Finally, I got it, and uh, I don't know if, if if people notice this or not, but his scar is gone after on his face after this happens. So this is really neat. In the Force Awakens, um, right after he this the bridge scene happens and he kills Han and he like solidifies his dark sideness, all that. In the following scene, he gets his scar. Right when when he gets slashed in the face, uh, and it stays there until 
in this movie, when he recreates that scene with Han on, on the bridge, except it goes the opposite way this time, Han puts his hand on Kylo's face where the scar is. And the scar is never to be seen again after that. It goes away. And it, and this is when we have Ben Solo now. So that's a very subtle thing. But I thought that was a really cool thing. Not only does it help with you realizing this is a new character now, but the literal scar of Han's death is gone. Oh, damn. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that is good. I love that. So... <laughs> So like that was anything I wanted to point out too. Um, one other thing that was pretty neat is when Ray turns on her new lightsaber, the yellow one. Uh, again, I did not notice this my first viewing, um, but if you look closely, right at the moment she activates it, there's a flash of light right before it turns on, and it is a blue and green light at the same time that flashes. So the idea that she took the crystals from Luke and Leia's lightsabers and used them both to make her current yellow one seems like it might be correct. Uh, which is pretty right. neat, and and that uh, the handle is her staff. Is that correct? I, I mean, it looks just like it. If I mean, it has to be. I, I don't see what else it could be. It's identical. And it almost seems like it's double sided. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing because we don't see anything other than what she's holding. It doesn't end, you know, so on screen. So either the edge of it is just past the screen, or it might be some sort of double sided thing. I'm not sure. But it's, it's interesting either way. Um, and there are other things, too. Again, I'll, I'll mention at a later time. But those are just a couple of things I wanted to point out as things that you may have missed that were really neat story um, implications and subtleties and things that, again, more proof that they really thought about what they were doing with this movie and and signs and symbolism and all that, which I enjoy a lot. Uh, and, and, yeah. and I think also as we dissect it more, as we see it more, as we you know, sort of talk to friends and all that, other things are going to come. come it, I, it's layered. It, it's a layered experience, and we're going to keep peeling away those layers. Like you said, the more that we watch it, even. Yeah, we. This has only been hasn't even been out a week yet. Yeah. Um, we we've got a lot more. Obviously, we're not going anywhere. We appreciate <laughs> we appreciate that you're listening to our reactions. We're actually probably one of the podcasts that has the latest reaction out. Um. So we certainly am thankful that. You've taken the time to listen to us. Oh, absolutely. And, and I hope that you can appreciate what we're saying, whether you agree or not. I hope you can appreciate it. And, and this is coming from a place of earnestness. We're not chills. We're not people who are trying to defend the movie because we like Star Wars or anything, but we this is genuinely how we feel about it. And, and also, you know, feel free to, uh, if you guys, if there's things you don't like, you know, uh, yeah. we'd be more than happy to to, to hear it. And yeah, we want to, we want to discuss it because, um, again, I feel like that wasn't the purpose of today. I'm not going to go out and be like, and people didn't like this, but here's why you're wrong. I'm not doing that right now or maybe ever. I don't, I don't want to tell people why they're wrong, but I, I am interested in having discussions about this thing because we care about it. So, uh, one thing I want to mention to you that's pretty neat is just, uh, the reception, um, differences between, uh, the last Jedi and this, and I'm not doing this to compare the movies. I'm not saying JJ and Ryan, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying the critic reception and the audience reception have been flipped between this two. So for the last Jedi, the critic reception was great. It has a 91% rating with Rotten Tomatoes. They thought the critics thought it was great. And the audience score was 43%. And you know about that, how it didn't overall go as well. I like the movie. A lot of people like the movie, but it just wasn't as well received among the fans. It was more divided, more polarizing. Um, and we have the opposite but, here. But also, though, also, 
before people remind us of this, that 43% was before they put safeguards in, in, into place. Yeah, and it, and it was very seemingly, I think we even know for sure about people who were influencing it, which is very true. That is yeah, a fair point to bring up. Now you have to, have, I, don't, I don't use Rotten Tomatoes, but you have to verify somehow that you've actually seen the film. Right. So, well, I think they go through like people who bought tickets in Fandango or something like that. And and Tim, did you see the did you see the survey that I got when I came out of the theater? I did. I wish I had one. It was pretty cool. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, I thought they were handing out posters for IMAX or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, like, let, let me get one of those. And then I'm like, what is this? Yeah. But they, uh, I'll talk about it real quick. They basically want to know what you thought about it. You know, how did you how did you hear about it? Where do you get your primary source of information from? From Twitter, from Facebook, from this, from that. You know, why were you choosing to see it? Because it looks like this. Because it's the end. Because it, you know, and they wanted it to rate your your favorite characters. Right. Um. And now you could say, I don't know, what kind of poll is that? Well, it's very obviously a Disney poll because some of the questions they also asked were specifically about Disney products. Okay. So it was, do you subscribe to Disney Plus? If you don't, will you? Will uh-huh. you most likely buy this product or will you stream it on Disney Plus? Then it wanted to know what your reaction were to trailers. And the only trailers that were asked about were Disney films. Uh-huh. Even though like I didn't see Jungle Book. I mean Jungle Book Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise yeah. was one of the trailers they asked about, but it wasn't in either of my showings. It was in one of mine. Yeah, it wasn't but not the other two. But, you know, they asked about that. They asked about Black Widow, um, Mulan. Yeah. I had I had no and... time to die. Which is oh, yeah, Disney, I had that too. but still. Oh, man. The IMAX one had like the first, I don't know, five, ten minutes of Tenant. Oh, really? It wasn't the trailer. It was a scene. Well, okay. Yeah, I didn't have that. I had a trailer. <laughs> oh, holy crap. That movie. I, I also had Wonder Woman uh, in two of the three showings had that. Yeah, some people said they had Mandalorian trailers. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have liked to see a little bit of that stuff on the big screen. Yeah, they're cool. But, uh, you know, they do this from time to time. It's not the first time I've ever been focus-pulled uh, uh, or, or, you know, had that type of thing for any movie, whether the movie hasn't been out yet, the movie's already been out. Um but it was interesting. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what they're looking at. But so I just saw Cats has a 17 percent review from the critics. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, so for the Rise of Skywalker, because it has kind of the opposite, it seems, to where the critic reception is at 56 percent. They seem to be polarized, and people think it's brilliant or, or does its job right. As some people thought it was disappointing, took a step back, whatever. Uh, Critics are kind of mirroring what it seems the reception for fans was with Last Jedi, whereas the fans' reception to this is at the between like eighty six to eighty eight percent, which is pretty darn good. I mean, overall, people liked it. You do have a, a crowd that was dissatisfied, but overall, people seem to really enjoy it. Well, yeah, you know, that was one of the things my buddy um, he went with me the second one of my other friends went with me the second day, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know, it, it, it's not getting gooder." That good reviews or whatever. I said, hey, I said, remember when we went and saw Godzilla, King of the Monsters? 
He's like, uh-huh. yeah. I go, what do you think of that? He goes, I love that movie. That movie was so good. I go, go, go look at Rotten, Rotten Tomato. And Rotten Tomato had like it's almost identical, I think. Uh, are you able to pull that up real quick? I should be able to. Let me see. I think it's almost. Is it looking at the monsters? A, yes. That is 42% critics, critics. 80, 83% audience. Right. So it, it's still. It's within shooting distance of. Uh, of uh, yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and ultimately, you know. Go see what you go see what you like, you know. Yeah. If, if it looks appealing, go watch it. I'm just curious. I want to see. Uh. I would like to see what Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones are, are at. Let's find that Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace has ooh 53% critics and 59% audience score. So. So how are, how are those ones coming out lately that said this is the lowest rating? And let's see, Attack of the Clones, 65% critics, 56% audience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So I just want to point yeah, that I... out just because I'm not saying that one's better than the other or anything like that. I just thought I genuinely just found it was interesting that they were mirror opposites of each other with how they were received between the critics and audience for both just flipped. Yeah, I mean, people just need to like what they like. Yeah, I'm less concerned about agreeing with everybody else as much as I am enjoying the movie I want to watch. Because let's take a step back and realize it's a movie, it's entertainment. If it works for you, awesome. If it doesn't, you don't need to see it again. Yeah, (laughs) very simple. So uh, the last thing I just want to mention real quick, we'll wrap up this episode. There's way more than one episode's worth of stuff to talk about with this movie and, and the implications and all this. And we'll do that over the coming weeks. Um, as well as new Mandalorian stuff that we'll be getting to and all that. But the last thing I want to mention for this is something that occurred to me once we left the theater for the first viewing before I got into the back-to-back second viewing. Uh, which, by the way, all quick aside, this is Alamo, right? That I went to. I saw at the Alamo Draft House. So they have the, the servers there who bring you the food and all that. For my first two showings, the name of the, the waiter, what, what was it? Um, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Jeeves? No, his name was Luke. Oh. And then my Saturday third viewing, the waiter actually circled his name because it was spelled differently, but his name was Kanan. I guarantee you that this is like when you go to a strip club and they just have fake names. <laughs> no, I, I actually did think about that, but it was spelled differently. So either he didn't know, he, like he knew enough to know who Kanan was, but not to spell it right. Or, you know, it was just his name. Yeah, or it's like, what what's your name? Oh, what do you want my name to be? <laughs> oh, that would have been uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Um. So yeah, again, just to, to wrap up, uh, one of the, the way I wrote this section on our notes is about where does Star Wars go now, which that hit me when we left the movie. It was very exciting because. When before 2012, when it was announced that Disney had bought Lucasfilm and they're making new movies, one of the, you know for many people, one of the things that they were going to for more stories was things like you know we have comics, we got books, the TV shows like Clone Wars and all that. And if you think about it, during that gap of time between uh, Episode Three really coming out and uh, the well, yeah, and, and the new movies coming out, we have a lot of really great Star Wars material there, like the Clone Wars as a show. 
that would not have existed if it weren't for the break with the movies and things like the Timothy Zahn novels after the original trilogy. Same thing. We wouldn't have those books as great as they are and as much as they're loved by fans without that break with the movies. So we're going to still have Star Wars movies. They're not going anywhere. Um, But with this break and the Skywalker saga and, and the episodes and all this, I found it really exciting that we now have the opportunity for, especially with these characters and with Rey and with Finn being force sensitive and all these things, we got so many opportunities for some really great Star Wars stories to be coming at us in the future um, through whatever medium. So I thought that was neat. I was satisfied with this to be the end of the Skywalker saga as we know it right now. And I'm excited about the implications of what new stories we're going to get with a break with these movies. Well, and the other thing that's kind of good in a way, and this is the way I'm looking at is with this chapter closed, now Jedi to Force Awakens is open. Yes. You know, they've kind of stayed away from it. Yep. You know, there's been things here and there that fills in certain things, but nothing of consequence. Now you're starting to see, you know, the consequence with uh, uh, the Kylo Ren comic that just came out. Which looks really good. I haven't read it, but it looks so good. I would love well, to and, have, and then uh, you you find out that that spoiler, it wasn't <laughs> him that destroyed the Jedi Temple. Oh yeah, I read somewhere that that was in there. Yeah, it was basically like lightning from the sky, C- kind of like what Yoda came. did with the tree. A little bit, and then some people arrive, some students arrive, and say, "Oh, you did it," and he's like, "No, I didn't." And, <laughs> and then they like challenge him, and says, "Like, all right." <laughs> yeah, so, I found, yeah i found that interesting yeah so you start to get that i mean I, you know it, it was alluded to that that we may be getting two new animated series coming soon and for all we know it could be the classic characters it could be ray and i mean not ray, excuse me it could be it could be luke and leia and all that han so yeah Chewy, C three PO, Lando. Lando could be all that stuff. So well, we, we don't know, but now things are open and they're gonna start announcing stuff. And I would love a book or a comic or something on Luke and Lando going to Pisana trying to find OG and yeah, how that all went done. I love that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and as our final thing as we leave, I want to read. We have an email from Josiah that I want to read because he's awesome. Uh, not just because he's awesome. That's the main reason I want to read it. Uh, he says, Hey guys, I loved The Rise of Skywalker. I understand why some didn't, but it just seemed like every beat just worked for me. Two questions I'd love to hear discussed. Uh, one, my read on Palpatine's plan was that he knew Rey wouldn't turn, but that he wanted them both there at the same time. Is that what you all thought, or do you think his sucking the life force was almost like a plan B? I think it works much better if his plan all along was to bring them together. Um, before we get to the second thing, I, I, my initial take from it was that he was improvising um, because he's he's done that in the past and, we, and he's great at it. Some of the things he's planned out for years and they work out perfect for him and other things he kind of makes up as he goes and it seems to work out for him as well. Um, I, I feel like we're going to need to get more background story to everything, which we will be getting to know for sure what, how that worked out. But my initial take in the theater was that he was kind of realizing, oh, hey, here's an opportunity because he almost looked surprised when his... Uh, like he was under, uh, realizing what was happening as his fingers were coming back. And he's like, Oh wait, this could work. And then decided to, to do that is how I took it. Yeah. I, I think, I think him saying ultimately that he wants her dead or kill her or all that. Like he's been in, in Kylo Ren's head long enough. Yeah. That he knows he's going to bring her. 
Yeah. He knows, or he knows she's going to get there. And so his whole plan with, you know, um, take over in my stead, I'll rule with you kind of deal. Uh, Cause I'll be within you. I think that's generally his plan all along. It probably wasn't his plan forever, but that's his plan in the movie. And then, like you said, when they both get there, it's like, Oh, bonus. I don't even even need to do that anymore. Yeah, I feel like he spent way too much time cultivating and developing Kylo into who he was if he was just trying to use him to get Rey there. You know, every voice you've ever heard inside your head this whole time and making him, basically making him into Kylo Ren. But I think within the movie itself, when the the movie's there, he doesn't want, I don't believe he wants her dead. Yeah, yeah. I feel like like he's... He's just trying to look for anybody <laughs> who's like a potential person. Like, somebody, please just kill me so I can possess you, please. I feel like that's pretty much how he, what he was doing. Well, yeah, but Kylo wanted to kill him. Yeah, and he didn't let him. So I think it's more that he's he's going to be passing it down to his to his blood. And we yeah, like, if, if given if given the option. Blood. Well, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, uh, and point two. Boy, <laughs> do which is I has here is that making Star Wars with Jason and Jedi Paxis uh, had pretty much the whole movie. And since we follow all of the spoilers, we pretty much knew everything, and most of it uh, happened the way they said it would. Do you think this helped people like us who followed spoilers? Because I feel like I had time months really to mentally prepare myself for all the beats, so nothing really caught me off guard too much. Uh, and I just agree, thanks, huh? Josiah. Yeah, I agree 100%. I do agree with that too, and, and that's uh, we, we talk sometimes about why we because some people are like, oh, are you people who shake your presents on Christmas? All I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm really not. I just um, I've said this before. I enjoy the process of knowing what the story is, but then I want to see how they make the story come to life. That's the art of it to me. So that's what I enjoy, and I can't appreciate that if I don't know what the story is. So, uh, and and I care about it in, in this franchise a lot too, and all that. So th- that's why I do it, and in similar ways to that knowing what the story was and getting to appreciate how it was brought to life. Like I was just saying, um, I feel like that. I don't did... trust. I don't trust that we're going to get a making of like we got the other one. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, he, he was writing a making of force awakens and he kind of got, Nope, you're done. And they tried to like put it out for free and they said, no, take it down. Maybe so, if we're lucky, we'll get a making of the sequel trilogy as one massive book. Yeah, yeah, we might, but but I, I I think you you run the risk of losing this information. Like like there's so many things. Like yeah. like I want I want us to go over it again, so it's still fresh. But there's so many things that that you could see where it was going and going to happen. And it didn't happen, and this changed, and that changed, and it's like you know I, I'm definitely I'm definitely sad that we're missing some of the stuff. But I do like the choices that they went with. Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree with that. And I feel like uh, just to, again, kind of give this a little bit more of a conclusion, we're not going to stick this landing for an ending of an episode as much as we as episode nine did. But um, I was very satisfied with this movie. I left it feeling happy, complete, you know. And, and again, for those who didn't feel that way, um, I just want you to know this is genuinely something that worked for me. Not trying to, you know, be a guy who said I liked it just because I'm a fan or whatever. It genuinely did for me what they intended for it to do. So um, I'm looking forward to having these discussions with people and and to just kind of 
uh, I don't, I don't really want to debate it. I just want to have a genuine discussion and, and talk about it because we all love it so much. And, um, this is a big moment for the series. And I really hope that people will let it age and let it sit with them and hopefully gain a new appreciation for it that they might not have right now over time. So once you stop, um, being mad over what you expected to happen and start appreciating what actually did happen, it might give you a new perspective too. Not that doesn't apply to everybody, but some people can probably gain something from that. Um, so, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to discussing it more in the future. We got more Mandalorian coming up. The season finale is coming up the end of this week. So we can look forward to that. And I just want to give a quick second for Mark to say his, his final thoughts. And also, um, I, I, I don't want to make you pull him out of the basement, but I, I think maybe next week we can have a special guest since we didn't really have time today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <You ain't gone. laughs> no, no final thoughts. Uh, you know, j- just thanks for being with us on, on this journey. You know, we got a lot more stuff to talk about, uh, but we really appreciate it. it. It It was great. I loved it. And, you know, I hope you guys enjoy it. Go see it again on the Christmas break, if any of you have one. That's it, really. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy people are spending time listening to us. It, it, it's oh, Christmas. Yeah. People are busy. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to um, kill them with a long podcast, you know, but, but just thanks for, for hearing our thoughts and, and, and sharing it with us. And, you know, and, and people like, people like Real Farm Boy and, and Carl Fox, you guys are legends. Thank you. And yes. uh, yeah, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's this is it's good. This podcast started because I said I like the stormtrooper. Uh, the podcast started because of the Force Awakens and Mark. You, you know, you and I and some people like Jared and Amanda were were all involved at the time making this a thing, and um, we did it because we wanted to keep talking about Star Wars with this trilogy. Now this trilogy is complete, so in that one hand, I feel like we've come full circle as a podcast because we have stuck with this trilogy, but now there's so many more opportunities because we're here for whatever's coming next too. So, I'm excited about it, and we'll be back next time to discuss what comes next. So, thank you everybody. Again, like Mark said, I appreciate you for listening, and uh, have have a great holiday break. Uh, Like you said, if if you're getting one, enjoy it.